listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. Hello and welcome to another episode of Launchpad Podcast presented by Apollo Media. All Houston, all original. I am your host, Lashar Binkley. I am the director of basketball operation for Overtime Heroics. I am a contributor for Space City Scoop. And also, of course, I am a podcast host for Launchpad Podcast, which is part of the Apollo Media Podcast Network. Uh, today, we're actually joined by a very special guest and something that's kind of unique to Rockets Podcast, something we haven't had in a long time. I'm joined by uh, Derek Murray, who is definitely one of the better um, draft analysts and draft followers on Twitter. Um, I've been following him for, for a long time. Um, definitely appreciate him join, jumping on to the show today. And, and also, uh, Derek Murray, if you want to find any of his um, content, he is a writer for Basketball News. He's senior basketball op- ops analyst for Sports Info Solution. And like I said, if you want some great draft knowledge and uh, draft analysts, especially coming up with the draft ladder here soon, he's definitely a great follow on Twitter at DMurray. Uh, NBA, of course, NBA is all caps. Uh, first off, thank you for joining us today, Derek. I definitely appreciate it. Yeah, Lashard, I appreciate you having me on. Um, thanks for thinking of me. You know, until you brought it up, it didn't click with me that it had been a minute between, or, uh, you know, but since Houston fans could really get excited about a high <laughs> draft pick. So now yeah. I had to go back and look back. It's been a minute, but um, exciting times. So hopefully the team can, can scoop up some really great young guys this coming uh, this, this fall. Definitely. And before actually we get started, Derek, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background, how you got into draft, you know, analyzing drafts and um, it's just some of the, you know, uh, different things you've been doing over the last few years. Absolutely. So I um, worked for the Oklahoma City Thunder for four years and kind of since then, and even part of the time with the organization, I wrote and scouted for Net Scouts. Um, I wrote for the Pro Basketball Combine run by Jake Kelfer and John Chipkevich. Um, and then I met Babcock a couple years ago and kind of worked for him as a director of scouting with Babcock Hoops. I recently left the Thunder um, a couple months ago to be a senior basketball ops analyst at Sports Info Solutions, where we make analytically driven draft models for teams, a couple other NBA products, uh, products for agents kind of setting around the draft, recruiting their players, you know, et cetera. And then with basketballnews.com, um, again, I still work for Matt Babcock in, in that realm, and we travel all, all over the country scouting games, tournaments. Um, some high school stuff, but mostly college for me. And we provide all the draft content over for their website as well. So I've got my hand in a lot of things. I'm very, very busy, but it is exciting. And now that the college season's over, you know, the end of March madness always kind of signifies to us, all right, now it's time to hit the ground running. So we'll be on the road a lot the next couple of weeks, trying to um, gather as much information as we can for everybody. And actually, let me ask you about that. Um, has it is it a little bit easier um, this year compared to last year? Are you able to travel more, doing more of the scouting and getting more of your information out? Because I know last year, of course, everything was locked down and you probably wasn't able to get out nearly as much as you were in the past. So is it a little bit easier going into this year? So it's actually pretty interesting. You know, part of what Matt and I do is provide a lot of intel to NBA organizations, Um, not necessarily an extension of any organizations, but they use us a lot for info. And last summer, as well as this one, just because of COVID protocols, 
a lot, I would say most MBA front offices are not traveling just yeah. straight up. No one's allowed to travel. So because Matt and I work for ourselves, we're allowed to do whatever we want uh, more or less. So we've like last summer, I was in Miami scouting, um, watching agent workouts. We were both at impact in Las Vegas. He did Phoenix. Um, I did Dallas, you know, Atlanta with him. We were all over the place and wherever, whenever we leave these gyms, you know, teams will contact us for information. Um, so we're sharing information with as many people as we can, really trying to figure out the who's who of the draft, both on and off the court. So while teams have been a little bit more locked down, you know, we've been able to try to, or, you know, travel for most part as we see fit. And that's actually been really nice. So we found a good niche um, in what we've been able to do. And, you know, we're thankful for basketball news as well, kind of um, just giving us a platform to, give us a place to put the public work because a lot of the work we have, um, you know, some is public, some can't be shared with anybody outside maybe organizations and agents. So having that mixture is really fun. Yeah. And that's, that's actually pretty interesting considering like, I think most people still don't realize that majority of these teams still aren't traveling and that's, that has to hinder, you know, their scouting and, and mm -hmm. what and kind of the information they have going into the draft and having y'all being able to do that. That's definitely, I'm sure that's big for y'all and, you know, just big for the teams in general and be able to get that information. So that's, that's definitely something interesting that I think myself and a lot of people haven't really thought about. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to, and before, you know, we jump into everything um, in this first segment, I want to go over, of course, like we mentioned before, the Rockets for the first time, definitely since pre-Harden are actually going to be interested in what's going on in the draft because up until now, there are more in the Rockets were in win-now mode with James Harden and Chris Paul and Dwight Howard and, you know, Russell Westbrook. So first-round draft picks were kind of expendable. But for the first time in, you know, almost a decade, the Rockets are actually going to be one of the hot tops when it comes to draft time. So I want to get Derek's um, – Derek's opinion on some of the, of course, the top five draft picks. Um, in segment two, we're going to actually talk about the later round because not only do the Rockets possibly have a top five pick, but they also could have multiple picks between the mid round and late round or the first round. And in the final segment, I want to get his opinion on some of the younger players that the Rockets have. Uh, some of the rookies and some of the players that are just, you know, starting out in the league, like a uh, Jay Shante, KJ Martin, and even on Marnie Brooks, who's only been in the league for, you know, a handful of games. So I want to get his opinion on that. But first, Derek, I want to kind of start off by asking you, um, well, first of all, let me ask you before I even get to picks two through four, who's your consensus number one pick? Because, you know, we know who most people picks are, but I like to always ask some, you ask people this beforehand, just because the last person I had on uh, Big Sarge actually had a completely number one, different number one pick. So I don't like to assume anymore. So who's your consensus number one pick? You know, right now on our board, we do still have Cade Cunningham first. Okay. Um, there are a lot of discussions of should Evan Mobley be there. I don't think it's as clear cut kind of black and white that Cade is 100% going one at this point. Um, I would still, that's still my gut. That's my inclination. I will not be surprised if that happens at all, but there are some people around the league who are really fascinated and intrigued by Evan Mobley. So I think depending on who has a number one pick, it could be a discussion. Um, but at this point I do still expect Cade to go one. So let's say that the Houston Rockets um, get that number one pick. It's not a guarantee because right now they only have a little bit over 50% chance of landing um, one of the top four picks and of course, even less for the number one pick. But let's say they do land a number one pick. 
Where do you who do you see the Rockets taking at number one? I think you know if I'm the Rockets, I think I would take Cade at one. Um, you know the team again. Mobley has the the physical or the uh, physical tools, the instincts, you know, the fluidity and ability to move on both ends of a number one pick and potential future superstar. But I think with Houston, you know, you have to look at the John Wall contract. He's not a yes. long term option. Eric Gordon's got four more years on the contract, but again, he's not some centerpiece of like a long-term winning team. I think you need to take the guy who can kind of take the reins, be the guard, the ball handler, the leader of the team very, very early in his career and could potentially be that for years to come, you know, 10 to 15 years. If you get, if, if he's healthy and you can get that out of a kid. So I think Cade would be the, would be the guy if I, if I had one at Houston. Yeah. And I think like you said, that's pretty much what most people are going with at this point. You kind of, kind of, you know, forget the fit, even though you do have John Wall on the contract for two more years. And I don't really know if there's any possible way that they're going to be able to get off that contract. So one way or another, John Wall is going to be here. But I think, like you said, if you have a, you know, potential superstar in Kay Cunningham, you kind of just look past fit. You just take the best player overall. So, but that kind of leads me to my sec- my second question is, let's say the Rockets fall to number two. I mean, you have Jalen Suggs, you have Jalen Green, you have Evan Mobley. Um, if the Rockets fall to the number two pick, do you still see them possibly taking um, another guard or just going with the, the big man, uh, Evan Mobley out of USC? I think if they have two and Caden went one, um, you'd be very hard-pressed to, to make me pass on Evan Mobley. Yeah. You know, he, guys that his size, his movement, his ability to impact the game on the you know both sides – those just don't come around every year. I think, you know, in, in my opinion, I think Mobley is one of the best defensive prospects we've seen since Anthony Davis. Um, so I think he's the kind of guy you want as an anchor on your team. I think he can anchor an entire defense. So, I, you know, the Suggs agreeing, the discussions would certainly be had. But if I'm picking second, Evan Mobley's my guy. And so let me ask you, I know some people have had um, some – some reservations about taking, you know, a big man that high in today's NBA. But like you said, he has skills beyond just being a seven footer. Um, Is there any concern about, you know, we've seen players like James Wiseman and Aiden coming out. And even though Aiden is doing better now, it did take him a little bit of time to get to the point where he's at right now. And even a Marvin Bagley, do you see any concerns with taking um, an Evan Mobley at number two, um, even though, like you said, he's shown that he can do more beyond just being a, a great shot blocker and running the floor. So, you know, I totally understand people's hesitation taking a big this early in the draft. Um, you know, I understand it. The way that modern NBA is being played, it's, it's a different game than it used to be. But Mobley, again, he's a young kid. He's a legitimate seven foot. He's not one of those seven footers where you say, oh, he's seven foot, but then he's actually, you know, six, nine and a half. Yeah. Like this kid's seven foot tall. He has a seven, five wingspan. He's incredibly athletic, has great mobility, um, great kid, great family, like everything about him checks out. And there's really not many red flags, if any, that we've come across right now. So his ability to move as a shot blocker, he's probably, I mean, there's no one even close to him as far as being an instinctual shot blocker. You know, he just bothers everybody, you know, whether it's on the perimeter or the interior, you know, I think he's a guy that can really anchor a defense for a very, very long time. So you take those in itself and like, yes, you know, if, if that's the kind of defensive prospect you are and you have no offense, I don't think you take a kid that high. But the way he moves, passes, sees the floor, he's shown touch in the paint and on the perimeter. You know, the whole he's got the whole package um, on, on offense. You know, he is an incredible short roll passer. 
sees the floor very well, anticipates out of his turns. He knows where he's going with the ball before he catches it, which is from a freshman center are things you just flat out do not see. So the whole package is where I think Mobley can be a, a superstar uh, in the future, if not one of the best players in basketball. So you would be, uh, again, it'd be tough to get me to pass on him. And so I've been seeing comps uh, like for players like Chris Bosh. Do you see that in uh, Evan Mobley in his frame, just his overall game? I think he'll end up being a, um, a better defender long-term, okay. but again, with his frame, you know, he's got the touch to become that kind of shooter if he really worked at it. Cause he's, he's got great hands uh, anywhere on the floor. Yeah. And, and like I said, we've seen some other big men, but I think just his overall skill and his potential kind of leads him to be totally different than a big man we've been seeing coming out the last few years. And then it kind of leads me to um, between the two guards, um, after a K Cunningham, who do you see as having the, uh, the you know better potential going forward? Is it Jalen Suggs or Jalen Green? Yeah, so this is – I think this will be the most interesting kind of discussion to see what teams uh, – kind of what teams say, you know, as we're talking organizations, Jalen Suggs or Jalen Green? Because I think they're comfortably three and four right next to each other. But the order – is where the discussions really happen. You know, Jalen Suggs, I think, has a higher floor. Uh, I believe Jalen Green has a higher ceiling. You know, Suggs has shown he can do it on both ends. He's physical, intense, instinctual. He's very, very intelligent all over the floor, can pass. He's shown flashes of streaky, but, you know, very consistent shooting uh, over certain spurts of the year. And then he's a great defender. Jalen Green is one of the most athletic kids in this entire draft, if not the strictly just bounciest player in the class. Um, his body control around the rim, especially, can finish with both hands. And as he developed over the course of the Ignite G League season, you really saw his ability to create space, create shots, uh, and hit tough shots. So, you know, I'm not sure. I think it would be team dependent on who has number three, which one they would go with. Um, but that's going to be a really interesting discussion as we get closer. And as we kind of wrap up this first segment, I actually want to um, kind of ask you about some other players that are, I think are kind of rising up the draft boards as we get closer to the, the draft lottery. So what's your opinion on player like um, Jonathan Kaminga? Do you see him as a player that will kind of round out that, um, that, that top five when it comes to the draft lottery? So Kuminga is a guy that, you know, based on what we're hearing from some teams, uh, I think could jump Jalen Suggs or Jalen Green, depending okay. on what people see. I um, mean, again, 6'8", 210, very physical kid, and he's flashed the ability to do everything on both sides. You know, um, there's been some weaknesses kind of shown on defense as far as his feet and, uh, you know, technique on that end but he's comfortable with the ball um, and has really nice touch as a shooter. So Kaminga is a guy that I think could be in that three, four discussion. I also think depending on how workouts go, Kuminga could be anywhere from like eight to 10 as well. Um, because, you know, Scotty Barnes, Keon Johnson, Jalen Johnson, you know, these guys have a lot of love right now around the league. So I would expect, you know, if I had to project Kuminga would be closer to four or five than he would be nine or 10. Um, but anywhere in that range, I think, is probably where he'll end up. And uh, Camilo is one of the guys that played in the, you know, in, in the G League this last uh, this last season. So let me ask you um, kind of the final question of this first segment. Do you think it's still more of a benefit to going to college and having more of a you know, overall platform? Or do you think the G League is something that more of the top prospects are going to start doing going forward in the future? 
I think with Green and Kuminga, there has been significant success uh, from the Ignite program. So I would expect some some of the elite high school seniors to look at them moving forward. Uh, but but it's tough to say. You know, I never kind of want to speak for kids as far as should you yeah. do X, Y, or Z because every kid's financial situation, their personal, their home situation is different. You know, you know who are we to tell? Um, you know, the number two or the number ten ranked kids in in a couple of years. Hey, well, you need to go to college because of you know this. Yes, I, I think what this year has shown is that both can work, um, and I think as long as kids do what's best for them, what's best for them themselves and their family, you know, as long as they're getting good advice, uh, I, th- I don't think you can really go wrong either direction. Yeah, and I think it's just it's just best to have more options. You know, so the top prospects don't necessarily have to go to college. They can still be able to play in the States because I know in the past they would have to probably go play overseas if they didn't want to play in college. So it's definitely good to have multiple options, you know, when you're coming out of high school. Um, and that's going to kind of wrap it up for our first segment. And second segment, I want to get Derek's opinion on some of the more uh, – players that will be in the middle to end of the first round because the Rockets will have at least one pick, possibly more uh, coming up in the later part of the first round. So I want to get Derek's opinion on that. So please stick around. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU. All Houston, all original. Hello and welcome back to Launchpad Podcast presented by Apollo Media on the Apollo Media Podcast Network. Uh, Today we are joined by a special guest, uh, Mr. Derek Murray. He is a writer for Basketball News and Senior Basketball Ops Analyst for Sports Info Solution. And uh, in the second segment, we're going to actually go a little bit deeper into the first round where the Rockets will... Um, as we mentioned before, will possibly have a lottery pick, but they could also have multiple picks from anywhere between 15 and 30 of the first round. So, so Derek, let me ask you in more of the, the middle round to end of the first round, what's some of the players that kind of stick out for you uh, when it comes to this upcoming draft? Yeah. So with Houston specifically, you know, I believe that pick is top four protected uh, yes. if I'm correct. Correct. So let's say they get one of those top four picks again, in my mind, making assumptions, it's either Evan Mobley or a guard. And I think, you know, you have to look at whoever they go there, they're going to go the opposite down the road. So I just hit Sim on Tankathon and <laughs> yes. Rockets came up with 22 and 24. Uh, as their other picks in the first round. So, you know, if, if let's say you get Evan Mobley at two and then you have 23 and 24, you know, guys that I'm looking for to potentially fall, maybe be, be there. Uh, you know, I would really hope for Zaire Williams. I think Josh Christopher will be on the board. Um, I think there's a world where BJ Boston and Sharif Cooper are also on the board. So those are kind of the early names um, that I would look for to be there in those early twenties, as far as guard, if you went Mobley early. And let's just say um, out of those players that you named, what would be, let's say if the Rockets were to have maybe a possible uh, 19 or 20 pick, out of those guys, what, what, who do you think would be the better prospect to uh, pick at that, at that time in the draft? Yeah, so, you know, if a lot of the kids who are going to be available at that time are boom or bust prospects. They have very, very high ceilings. 
but they've all got a long way to go and the bus potential is certainly there. So, you know, Zaire Williams, there have been concerns about, can he get to the rim, but he's shown the ability to hit really, really tough shots. Josh Christopher and Jaden Springer, you know, they're, they're so polar opposite as prospects. Springer is extremely efficient, but he likes that mid range game. And I don't know how often he'll be able to get those shots at the next level where Josh Christopher has been inefficient, but is probably one of the best shot makers and shot creators in this class. So you kind of have to decipher, um, you know, you're really going to have to, to figure out what are we comfortable with? Um, I do think the Rockets, again, let's say you have a 19 or 20, and then you also have one, a couple picks later. I think my personal approach, I would pick one, maybe safe. And then I'd swing for the fences on the other one. So, you know, I'd be comfortable taking a, a pick, taking a pick on Zaire Williams uh, or even a Greg Brown, you know, an extremely athletic, but raw, and then maybe with the other one, I mean, Josh Giddy could be there. He's looked very, very good as of late. Sharif Cooper as a point guard, you know what you're going to get. Moses Moody, you know, doesn't he doesn't ext- excel at getting his own shot very well, uh, maybe creating for himself, but is going to be one of the best shot makers at 6'6 with a seven-foot wingspan on the wing. So I think you have to look at, you know, what are we comfortable kind of taking a swing on um, once you get to 20? Yeah, and uh, you mentioned Gray Brown. I know a lot of Longhorns down here in Houston would would definitely be happy with that uh, with that pick in the first round. Um, let me also ask you, compared to previous drafts, um, we know how great it is at the top of the draft uh, this year. Um, compared to previous drafts, how how strong is the draft from one to thirty when you compare it to uh, previous years? I think the top four are stronger um, than the past couple of years. There's okay. more probably superstar potential. I think the lottery or maybe that five through 20, there's a lot more kind of margin or a lot more room uh, for mistakes to be made. Okay. A lot of high ceiling, low floor risks. Um, but, you know, in the true definition of lottery picks, you're going to have teams hit on the lottery where these guys, it's going to click with these young guys and you're going to have potential superstars and first and second options on championship teams and other guys, the floor never going to be hit. And honestly, these young guys are really going to struggle for some time. So one through 30, I think is comparable from years past. Um, It's pretty deep. You're going to get really, really good. You're going to have high end rotation guys. You're going to get solid starters all the way through the first round. Um, It's the second round where this year, maybe even more so than last year, um, I'm not in love with the depth like I was last season. You know, last season I was in the 40s and 50s, and I thought, wow, like I'm getting potential role players here. Like this is like I, I like all of these players, and I would take all of them on my team. You know, we reach a certain point in this in this class where you kind of say, well, I'm not as enamored with this group as I was last year. So I think you'll see a decent number of draft and stash guys um, in the middle and the back end of the second round. And it, it kind of leads me into my you know, next question, uh, which I think a couple of these players are actually maybe in the later part of the draft. Um, of course, we're here in Houston and the Cougars just made the, you know, their final four run. And uh, we have, of course, a, a lot of Houston Cougar fans. And I wanted to get your opinion on players like uh, Quentin Grimes and De- Dejan Giroux. Where do you see them or do you see them being um, drafted possibly somewhere in the second round? 
So we at Basketball News, we currently have Grimes at number 58 okay. on our top 60 big board. You know, Grimes has that pedigree of All-American, um, you know, blue chip prospect. He's a 6'5", 205-pound junior who really came into his own shooting this year. And it was awesome to see, you know, he struggled so early at Kansas, you know, everybody was rooting for him to succeed at Houston and he's blown everybody away, which has been great. I think as a junior, this is his window of opportunity to go pro. So I would expect him to stay in the draft, uh, sign with an agent. I don't know if that's official as far as like firmly staying in yet, but that's, you know, that's what I think would be best for him. Um, and his ability to shoot the ball, I think can get him picked in the second round. Okay. And as far as Jarrell, you think he's more of a invite um, player that's going to have to play his way onto a roster? Yeah, so he he's just not that efficient of a shooter. Yes. But what you love about Jarrell is he does all the little things so well. He's a fantastic defender. He's mobile. He's long. He plays with motor and effort and energy at all the time. So I do think that there's a chance he could be picked in the second. Um, at this point, I would probably be more comfortable projecting him as an undrafted guy, but the kind of player that you would want to put on a two-way immediately or put him on an Exhibit 10, get him in your organization quickly, because if you can help him kind of turn into the shooter that, you know, some maybe think he can become, uh, you know, I think it was like 34.5% from three this year. So by no means was it poor. Uh, it just wasn't high enough for you to say, hey, I need to take him as a scorer. But again, I, I, I would probably be more comfortable saying an undrafted guy right now, but he's a guy that I think should get camps and camp invites, um, should get looks and at least get a shot in the NBA. And before we wrap up this, this second segment, it actually is kind of a, uh, it's still, you know, has to do with the draft, but kind of a, a question I wanted to ask you about last year's draft. Um, was there any surprises, like let's say in the a top 10 of players that you didn't expect to take off as quickly as they have so far? Um, as you know, we had players like Anthony Edwards, James Wiseman, LaMelo Ball. In particular, I want to ask you about LaMelo Ball. I mean, we all knew he was going to probably be one of the better players, but did you expect him to be as good as he's been, you know, before the injury, of course, um, as good as he's been this year? I think the only part that has surprised me is his shooting. Yeah. Um, as far as his vision, passing, creativity, you know, I don't think any of that's really – I don't feel surprised by any of that, honestly. Yeah. I mean, what we saw from him overseas was just phenomenal. I didn't see him sitting at 33 or I'm sorry, 37, 38% from deep early, yeah. um, you know, 80% from the line as well. He was scoring, I believe 16 points a game when he went down. So he's scoring better, considerably better than I anticipated at least early in his career, but the overall success, um, no, I'm not really surprised, but I think, I think that was a great pick by Charlotte. And uh, one more person I want to ask you about that was at the top of the draft is James Wiseman. Um, do you see this as more of just growing pains and he'll get better? Or do you see this as maybe Steve Curry just hasn't found out the correct way to use him yet? Because um, he's kind of struggled in his first year. And now, of course, he's out for the rest of the year with the, with the injury. Um, do you see this as something that going forward that this is kind of where he's going to be or that, you know, maybe it's just his first year and he's going to eventually, you know, get to where his potential. Um, a lot of people thought that he would be eventually as one of the better bigs in the league. I think you're just looking at rookie young kid growing pains right now. Yeah. I mean, people have to remember that since his high school season, he only played three games and then now he's already played in 39 and started yeah. 27, you know, that at 20 years old have just turned 20. That's a lot. You know, you go from dominating high school kids 
to three games to 39 NBA games. That's just different. So I think it's way too early for people to be writing him off. Um, you know, I think the criticism at this point is probably unwarranted. Has he been great? No, he hasn't. But bigs also take – they take time to develop. You know, it's rare that you get a center who comes into the league ready to roll. Um, you know, even in that second year, like the bigs just take a long time to get NBA ready. So I think any kind of, you know, jumps that maybe the pick, the decision, um, him as a player, I think they're a little premature right right now. And that wraps up for the second segment. But um, talking about last year draft kind of takes us into the third segment where I'm going to get Derek's opinion on players like KJ Martin, who actually went um, at the very end of uh, last year's draft and also wanted to get his opinion on Jay Shante, who wasn't drafted at all in the 2018 draft. And, you know, other young players like Armani Brooks get his opinion on those players. So please stick around. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU. All Houston. All original. All right, we're continuing here on the Launchpad Podcast presented by Apollo Media. If you enjoy the show, do us a favor and drop a review or leave us some stars. Um, and in this final, this third and final segment, um, of course, we're here with uh, Derek Murray, our very special guest today, uh, writer for uh, basketballnews.com and uh, also a sports, app, uh, sports um, analyst for uh, Sports Solution. And I wanted to kind of get his opinion on uh, a couple of the younger players for the Houston Rockets that um, we have been able to see throughout this year. It's been a struggle for the Rockets, of course, uh, through most of the year, but at least they've been able to try to develop some of the younger players. So I wanted to kind of get your opinion first on uh, Jay Sean Tate, who was actually not drafted in the 2018 draft when he first came out of Ohio State. Um, when he first came out, um, was he on anybody's radar as possibly being drafted in the um, second, maybe late second round? Or was he always kind of a, a player, even when you, you know, went back and looked at him that, well, he more than likely wasn't going to get drafted. And what's kind of some of the differences you've seen between then and how he's playing now? So I think Tate definitely had a kind of a sleeper chance to go in the second round back then. Um, I don't think he was as universally maybe like hyped um, across the league, which is why I think he went undrafted. But there were some conversations like by no means, you know, was he an afterthought, yeah. but he was so tough. He was physical. Uh, you know, part of me, a little biased. I've grown up an Ohio State fan, so I watched him for years and loved it. So I always had a soft spot for him. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he like he was so tough. He could play inside and outside. I think he really had to develop his um, perimeter game more before he was able to get a legitimate shot at the NBA. I think that was one of the things he really needed to work on was his three-point shooting and spacing on offense because as a defender, he had great feet. He was powerful, um, could guard different positions. So that was always known. But, you know, wh why I'm so happy to see him get a shot now in Houston is his agent, Daniel Poneman, has done a great job with him getting him ready. He's played all over the world now, trying to get ready and prepare for this opportunity. So while he wasn't as loved back then, um, I think he has tremendous value now, and he's definitely the kind of kid you want on your team. Yeah, and, and another follow-up question I want to have about Tate is um, not necessarily, you know, going through the entire draft from 2018, but, you know, from the way he's playing now, um, and we were to hold that draft again today, the 2018 draft, 
where would you see him going? Would he would he be a possible lottery pick or at least uh, a earlier first round pick now if they were to redraft the 2018 draft? I think just kind of look at going back at you know guys who are selected at at the end of that first round, early second round in 18. I think that's probably where he fits. There were some really good value picks there in that range. Um, Wagner, uh, Shamit, Robert Williams, yes. Spellman went 30. And then you've got Brunson, Graham, Mitchell Robinson, and Trent. So I, th- I think kind of maybe right after that group would be would be fitting. Um, even the next group, you know, Bruce Brown, Jared Vanderbilt have been good. So I think uh, 30s, maybe, you know, early forties. I think that's probably where you would see him go because you look as much as I like Tate, he's not a long-term super high upside guy, yeah. um, but he's a great role player, a guy who should always be in the rotation. So I think a second round pick there, um, you know, depending on maybe what you think you can get out of him offensively, he, he could squeak up a little higher, but that's how I kind of retroactively look at the board. And also, I want to ask you about some of the other younger players. Um, so, KJ Martin coming um, coming into the draft, what was kind of the consensus on KJ Martin's game, or um, was he always kind of seen as a late second round pick, or did he kind of fall um, after uh, right before the, uh, the the lottery or the draft last year? What was kind of the overall thoughts on uh, KJ Martin? So, yeah, after he decided to kind of skip the commitment to Vandy, I believe is where he was headed to school. Yes. You know, it was hard to get a gauge on him as a prospect. Um, you know, he was a big kid, you know, he was physical. And it was evident that he was a phenomenal athlete. There were just a lot of question marks um, about the skill set, um, not necessarily doubting if he had any, but, you know, as anybody who kind of skips their college and he maybe sits out a year, you know, the question marks are the hesitation. It's not that people didn't like the player. So he doesn't have like crazy long arms, um, but you knew the athleticism was there. And with limited experience, um, you know, especially as like a primary ball handler on the perimeter, you just didn't know what you were going to get. So I wasn't surprised to see him go in the second round. I didn't think at any point he was going to go in the first just because of the question marks, but man, he's been really good. So I'm glad he's getting an opportunity down there to kind of show people what he had in his bag the whole time. Yeah. And he's kind of what the Rockets have been going with uh, lately is the youth movement. And another guy that they just brought in, um, that played in the G League this past um, past season and has actually played the last uh, handful of games for the Rockets is Armani Brooks. Um, so coming out of Houston, what was kind of the thoughts on Armani Brooks? I know he's played on a couple of different G League teams since then. And um, so what was the kind of the consensus on Armani Brooks when he first came out of uh, University of Houston? You know, I think people kind of looked at the upside with, you know, he's a, he's a decent shooting kind of undersized two guard. I believe, uh, you know, at the season he left, he was 39% from three, at least, you know, pushing 40%. So he knew the shooting was there. Um, but I think just the, the, the fact that he was slightly undersized um, brought some question marks. But not to see him go undrafted wasn't a surprise to me. But he's showing people right now what the upside was. So, like, he's a great example of somebody who, you know, the question marks were there, what could he become? but he's put in the work to become exactly that. And that's, what's been awesome to watch, you know, to watch over the course of the G league as he's been putting up um, really good numbers as a shooter. Yeah. And also kind of before we wrap up the show today, I wanted to ask you about a very popular topic down here, which is Kevin Porter jr. Um, Of course, he's not a rookie, even though this is really kind of his first, 
if you compare combine uh, last year and this year, he's actually finally getting to a full year in the NBA. But what was kind of some of the thoughts about Kevin Porter Jr. coming out of college? I know he has some issues in college as well um, as with the Cleveland Cavaliers. But what was kind of the overall thoughts on his overall game when he was first uh, going into the draft? Talent, you know, strictly talent. Kevin Porter Jr. was you know, a top 10 player in his class. Yeah. There, there was no doubt about that. His ability to score, to get his own um, things he could do with the ball in his hand, his size, his athleticism. There was no question at all that, you know, talent and skill alone, he's a top 10 player, um, if not on the high end of that. So there were just, there were just question marks um, just from people inside the organization, um, a USC, just some questions about how he would kind of translate uh, how it would fit into a locker room, just little stuff like that. So um, it wasn't anything to do basketball wise. And I'm glad he's getting an opportunity now because I'm telling you, man, that kid can score. And it's, it's really fun to watch him with the ball in his hand. So uh, let me also ask you, because a lot of people have made this comparison. Do you see any similarity between his game and James Harden? I know they're both left-handed. I know they both like to take the step back three, but do you see any other similarities between his game and kind of like a young James Harden when he first came into the league? You know, I can see it a little bit. Um, he's really advanced in the way in the way he uses his craftiness yeah. to get to the rim, um, and even the footwork on his shooting. You know, it, it's advanced for for a young guy in the league. So I can definitely see where people see like shades of Harden there. Yeah, and. Of course, you know, with James Harden being in Houston so long, that's kind of been the kind of consensus coming out about him and Kevin Porter Jr. Um, so before we uh, wrap up this show. Well, let me ask you, what's one player that's coming up in this draft that no one that, well, not necessarily that no one, but that most people aren't talking about that a player that we should keep an eye on uh, coming up in this year's draft? Hmm. One guy, one guy that I really like um, is, is a young guy who's probably not getting as much love as he should is Rocco Perkachin. Uh plays for KK Sabona as an international player. Right now, he'll be the youngest player in the draft. Um, at still 18 years old on draft night, a uh, big versatile wing who can kind of play the wing and the forward. I think he's being under discussed a little bit. Um, I, you know, Josh Giddy's getting a lot of attention now, which was good because uh, he's he's been skilled for a long time. I think Trey Murphy the third from Virginia as kind of a high end role player um, is one to keep an eye on, and then just kind of a flyer in the second round, somebody that I think you know most people may know who he is. But Sandro Mamu Kalashvili from Seton Hall, um, center, big lefty, 6'11", 240, but he can handle the ball. He can run and pick and roll. Um, he's, just, he's just a smooth center, and I think he'll be able to score a decent amount at the next level. He's really, really fun to watch. So I think he's a guy with maybe some higher upside than people think, um, and, and he's going to be one to keep an eye on. But he wants to go watch some Mamu tape. Um, that's really good stuff. And so – and one final question here before we wrap it up. What's kind of your thoughts on what you, or what you've been hearing? Are, do they plan on having the NBA combine this year or is it still kind of up in the air? Yes. Right now there is a plan to have an NBA combine. I believe the – look at that calendar. I believe the third week of June okay. uh, is the target. So, you know, as long as, you know, things are approved and permitted a certain way, um, I'll be there. Matt will be there. That is our plan uh, to get an up-close look at a lot of these guys. So right now there is still a plan to have a combine, and I hope that sticks. 
Yeah. And that's definitely another reason why I definitely want to have you back on the show right around draft time. Cause um, as you have already demonstrated, you have a, a lot of basketball knowledge, especially about the draft and uh, us down here in Houston that haven't followed the draft is, or, you know, college players as much as we probably should have in the last few years, we definitely would need that knowledge going into the draft. Um, but before mm-hmm. we wrap it up, I, I wanted to uh, give you another opportunity. Can you let everybody know where they can find you, where they can find all your content? Yeah. So again, um, you can follow me on Twitter at D Murray MBA and you can follow Matt Babcock at Matt Babcock 11 and then our sports info solutions accounts as well. You can kind of find that all through mine. Um, but again, uh, over at basketballnews.com slash draft, we're always updating our big board. Um, as soon as the NBA season comes to a close, we'll start having mock drafts and any recent pieces we've written will be up there too. Like I just wrote one on Usman Garuba, you know, he's improving as a shooter, um, you know, Grant Aki, one of the guys who works for us, did a big background piece on Chris Duarte and Marcus Zagorowski. It's a lot of great content, so please check us out. Um, but again, over at basketballnews.com, that's where you'll find all of our stuff. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely be checking out, especially closer we get to the draft. And again, I appreciate you coming on, Derek, and I will definitely be having you back on here pretty soon. Yes, sir. I appreciate it very much. Thank you. All right, and that's going to do it for today's episode. So if you haven't already done so, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And be sure to follow Apollo, H-O-U, that's capital H-O-U, for blogs, merch, video, podcasts, and more original Houston sports content not found anywhere else. As always, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to having you back for our next episode of the Launchpad Podcast covering your Houston Rockets.